Hey friends, this is Natalie Irvin and welcome to the ICU podcast where we explore how we can find significance in the unseen work of leaders and learn to be intentional to truly see others in our everyday lives. I can't wait to share with you, so let's get started. Today's scripture is from Isaiah 41.10. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed. For I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Hey, friends, and welcome back to the ICU podcast. I'm so excited to be here with Kim Pierce today. She's a very special guest, um, very meaningful in my life. Um, she's a 29-year veteran of the Bullitt County School System. She has her master's in communication sciences and disorders from UGA, and she's originally from Middle Georgia um, and is a proud Army mom and a proud mom of a young autistic adult. And Kim is so meaningful in our lives because because she's worked with our daughter, Harper. Uh, she's a speech-language pathologist. And one of the things that Kim has done that has been so incredibly impactful to me, and one of the reasons that I wanted her to come on today was that she started a fluency breakfast brunch with some kiddos at our school who were struggling with stuttering. And so, Kim, thank you so much for being with us today and just sharing your expertise, but then also your approach to how you love these kids, um, because I think that that is what's most powerful to me. Um, So tell me about the fluency breakfast bunch and how that got started. Okay. Um, Thank you for having me. The Fluency Breakfast Bunch came about um, because I saw a need among the students that I work with who are stutterers. Um, For a public school speech therapist, a caseload is typically 50 to 55 students. Mm -hmm. And on that caseload, you might have one or two who struggle with stuttering. And last year, I found that I had seven across the two schools that I was serving. Mm -hmm. So I really felt that there was a need to give these students a group that they could identify and belong to. And there have been so many changes in the field of fluency therapy in recent years. And one of those changes is really the importance of self-advocacy and the importance of advertising the stutter and becoming more comfortable with it and shifting negative to positive thoughts. So I wanted to give them a positive place where they could safely talk to other people who have the same struggles Mm -hmm. and also give the older students an opportunity to advocate and to kind of be mentors Mm -hmm. to the younger students that I worked with. So that's where the idea came from. And it kind of grew and took on a life of its own and became something wonderful. Absolutely. It was. And I remember that one of your older students, she expressed that it, it made her feel safe. It was a safe place that was uh, judgment-free, and she could stutter, and she could feel comfortable around her peers. And she was kind of, like you said, a mentor to some of the younger ones. In fact, they went on the announcements. And um, that was just so beautiful to me that you're taking something that could be very intimidating, could could hold people back from being who they truly are, and you're seeing the value and putting them in front of other students and allowing them to have a voice. Um, in the school. And it was just beautiful. It was such a cool experience to watch them on the morning announcements. And they also had a shirt. They did. So tell us about the shirt. (laughs) Um, The shirt read, Stuttering is Okay, because what I say is worth repeating. 
Yes. And it is. It is. Absolutely. And so that was um, something that Harper was proud to wear and still wears now. Um, Good. So thank you for providing the opportunity for those kiddos. Well, I believe strongly that everyone deserves a voice and every voice matters. Absolutely. And I've always um, striven to make my therapy room a safe place for all of my students to feel that they can be who they are, make mistakes, be accepted no matter what. And tell me about one of the things we've talked about before is that that relationship between your student or your client and you is so important and that it's different depending on who the kid is. And we all know in the education field, you're going to have kids who are so vastly different that you really have to seek to get to know them, to build a relationship with them before you can be impactful with what you're trying to achieve with their goals. Um, And that's one thing that I see in you is how intentional you are to build relationships with the kids that you serve. Um, So tell me about that process or that approach. Okay. The heart of any therapy practice is the relationship that you have with your student or your client. It doesn't matter if it's cognitive behavioral therapy, speech therapy, occupational therapy, physical therapy. The heart of any therapy practice is trust, and you can't have... You can't have a relationship without that trust. So you have to build that trust first. So that right. that comes first. That comes before, you know, in the schools we are so data-driven. Mm. That comes before the data. Absolutely. That comes before starting any actual speech work. You have to build that relationship. Mm. And I do, I have been very blessed to have a very diverse caseload over the years. I have worked with you know, gifted students. I have worked with kids with severe speech impairments. I have worked with kids who are nonverbal. I have a large group of non-minimally verbal students right now. Mm -hmm. And you just, you, you have to form that relationship. That comes first. So, you know, one thing that I always do when I pick up students my ther- for therapy is in the hallway, I always ask them about their weekend or about their day or about their week or tell me something that you want to share with me. Mm-hmm. Um, I always let them know that what they have to say matters to mm-hmm. me. So that's, that's very important, meeting them where they are. You know, our job is, as therapists is to meet our students where they are and move them forward, no matter where that might be. Right. There is no judgment about where they are. Mm-hmm. Um, I always tell my students, we have all the time in the world, you know. Yeah. Um, in schools, you have levels of support, and speech therapy is one of those. It's one of the most defined levels of support, mm-hmm. Um You know, sometimes we will have students with language impairments who also qualify for the specific learning disability program. And whereas there are time limits associated with, you know, general education and with most special education programs, we can take as much time as we need to to reach the objectives that Mm -hmm. we set with our students. So um, that's one thing that I always tell my students. We have all the time in the world, Mm -hmm. you know, take your time. Yeah. You know, we work at your pace, not at mine. And I think that provides this level of comfort that they don't have to be rushed, that they don't have to um, hurry up and meet your expectation, mm-hmm. that they can relax mm-hmm. and be themselves. And I know that when Harper was struggling with selective mutism and she was not speaking at all, one of the things that you did was ask me, 
what does she like? What mm-hmm. does she like to do? And mm-hmm. at the time, it was Peppa Pig. So mm-hmm. you went and got Peppa Pig toys. Mm-hmm. And you went and got an American Girl doll. And, you know, those are things that you do specifically to build those relationships. And that was one of the things that I truly believe put Harper on a different course. Because you were willing to meet her where she was at. You were willing to help me as the parent to navigate that, which we'll get to in a second because I think that's very important. And then also you were willing to spend your own money to go out and do those things so that you could bond with Harper. And that, I think, was a huge part of her being comfortable enough to find her voice. And so I'm so thankful for that as a parent, but also wanting to recognize you because, you know, there are good teachers everywhere who, who just show up and teach mm-hmm. and they're, and they're great or therapists that just show up and they're therapists and then they go home. But, but you put so much forethought into what you're doing that you're taking time and your money to go and do um, what you need to do to connect with your kiddos. And that's so powerful to me. Like I want people to understand how big of a deal that really is because that's a rare a rare quality um, in someone. And so tell me about your approach with parents. I know that you've helped me a lot with your research on stuttering, selective mutism, all the different things we've had with Harper. Um, You've been very transparent with me and have gone the extra mile to connect me with different resources and people that can help. So tell me about how you do that for your parents. Um. As you know, as you mentioned in my intro, I am the parent of a young of a young autistic adult. She prefers the term autistic adult instead of adult with autism. Mm -hmm. Um, So, as a parent, I always wanted to see the world through her eyes. Mm -hmm. You know, I used to tell her teachers when she was a student at our elementary school that I just want to see the world through her eyes just once. I just want to get a glimpse, and then I think I'll understand better Mm -hmm. some of the struggles that she has. So I always approach with my parents, I always want them to feel that I'm willing to leave no stone unturned. You know, your child not succeeding is not acceptable to me. Mm. So whatever we need to do to figure this out, we're going to figure it out. We're going to, you know, pursue the current research. We're going to talk to professionals in the field. If I don't have the answer, I'm going to find someone who does Mm -hmm. because that's how I wanted her teachers to treat my daughter. I wanted them to leave no stone unturned. I wanted them to see the value in her. I wanted them to look past all of the hyperactivity and the sensory issues and, you know, just the struggles and the behaviors that came about because she was so frustrated because she couldn't do what was being asked of her. I wanted them to look past that mm-hmm. and see who she was and believe that she had value. Absolutely. So that is what I want each of my parents to see. Mm-hmm. That's why I end every IEP meeting thanking the parents. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to work with your child because you are an essential component of this team. Mm -hmm. You have your own goals for your child. I want to know what they are. Years ago, I had a parent of a minimally verbal student tell me, I want to have a conversation with my daughter. And that resonated with me. Absolutely. That is what every parent wants. And sometimes we take for granted the things that other people struggle with. 
So it matters to me Mm -hmm. what you think. Mm -hmm. It matters to me what your goals are for your child. And I want to honor that in this process. I want you to know this IEP that we write, it's not just a box that we check. Mm -hmm. It's the plan that we use and how we're going to get your child to where they need to be. So you are an absolutely crucial member of this Mm -hmm. team. So, and I, and I want you to know that and believe it. Yeah. And if there's something you don't understand, I want you to tell me if there's something you feel would help that I may not have considered, Mm -hmm. I want you to share that with me and I want you to feel absolutely comfortable doing that. Yeah. That's awesome. I mean, it's so beautiful. And I think that, um, it just makes me so grateful for people like you, but I think it's a message that all educators should hear and should apply because you don't know what it's like until you're going through Mm -hmm. it. You don't know what that feeling is, that emotion, watching your child struggle or Mm -hmm. watching your child be different than other children. And all you want for them is to be loved Mm -hmm. and to be supported and for a a educator to look at them and say, whatever it takes, Mm -hmm. I'm here for you. And to me, that's all I want for my child. And so as a teacher and as a therapist, I think we can both say that, you know, that is what people should take away from this is every child's unique and every child deserves your best. Absolutely. Every child deserves to have a voice. Absolutely. Um, and that we can see past things that are at the surface. Because I do think that when we're working with so many different types of children, sometimes think, things can distract us from who they really are. Mm-hmm. You know, and you're talking about behaviors and, um, you know, when kids shut down because they're truly just exhausted Mm -hmm. from not being able to do what they're asked to do and reaching past what they're showing on the outside to figure out what is the root here and how can I reach them? Mm -hmm. Um, How can I look past this? And I think that's so powerful in the way that you talk to parents to help them understand because the IEP process is like a foreign language. intimidating. (laughs) I mean, even to me as, as an educator, and I've been in countless IEP meetings, I don't always understand what y'all are saying. I don't always understand the specifics of goals that you're setting. And and sometimes parents are not invited to be part of that process. It's more like, let's just get this done. Um, but the special educators that I know, uh, that I get the privilege to work with, they are so much more than that uh, with their parents. They are the, the advocate. Um, they're, they are the ones who say, what can we do for your child? What mm-hmm. would you like to see happen? Do you, here are the goals. Do you have questions? You know, ask me um, and trying to explain. And I just encourage parents, you know, who are sitting in IP meetings, who it's all just a bunch of mumbo jumbo and you're, you know, feeling stressed because you want your child to get the best, but you don't even know what the educators mm-hmm. are saying. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't know how to advocate, you know, to be able to ask those questions and not be afraid to ask questions and say, I don't understand what you're saying. Can you break it down for me? Um, could you help me to be more part of this process? Absolutely. Yeah. I think in special education in general, there is a shift towards less of a therapist-centered approach Mm -hmm. and more towards a client and child-centered approach, which I love. Mm -hmm. Um, There is a lot of talk among in the the therapy world about 
particularly where autism is concerned, shifting away from a medical model Mm -hmm. and more towards, you know, a client-centered approach where we're not trying to fix something that's wrong. We're trying to understand Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. we're trying to be the best advocate and we're trying to help children advocate for themselves. We're trying to help parents advocate for their children. Mm -hmm. You know, there's this shift towards just more of a team-centered approach, which mm-hmm. I think is so important. Absolutely. It's Our parents are such a crucial part of this process, mm-hmm. and you bring knowledge of your child to the table that we don't have. Right. So, you know, it's very important that yeah. we keep that at the heart of what we do. Absolutely. So what would you tell a speech-language pathologist or speech therapist who's just getting started in the school system specifically, what would you tell them or what would be your number one piece of advice? Find a good mentor. Mm -hmm. You don't know everything. I am in my 30th year and I'm still learning. And I love that about the career that I've chosen is that it has it has changed so much from where I began with it 30 Mm -hmm. years ago. So I would tell them, find a good mentor. Give yourself some grace would probably be my number one piece of advice. Give yourself some grace. You get a foundation in graduate school, Mm -hmm. but where the real work begins is when you take that first job. That's when, you know, your horizons really expand and you get to experience what it's like Mm -hmm. to be a speech therapist. So I would say give yourself some grace. Lean on others. Accept help when it's offered to you. Show a little humility. Mm -hmm. And, you know, just give yourself some grace. Absolutely. And you've entered one of the most amazing fields. Enjoy it. Yeah. Just take time to... Um, just be present with Mm -hmm. the kids that you serve. Absolutely. Absolutely. I tell, you know, my own two children, if you choose the right career, you, you never really, you, you know, I, I, I tell my children, I have the most amazing job because I get to go to work every day and work with some of the most amazing kids you will ever meet. Mm -hmm. And I learn more from them than they learn from me. Mm. So, you know, that's a really beautiful perspective and one that I think, challenges me as a teacher as well, you know, just to focus on the fact that these kids are gifted to me mm-hmm. and that I have this opportunity that is so big and so impactful and so beautiful to build those relationships with them. Mm-hmm. And they are amazing. They're children. They you know, are. they're just so, they their perspectives are amazing. We can learn so much from them. We absolutely can. And um, just being willing to be open to that and be present in the moment because it's very hard to stay focused on that when you have a lot of noise going on around you. And I would ask you, one of the qualities that I see in you and uh, that I just want to highlight because it's truly incredible is your patience. And one of the things that, you know, I noticed working alongside you for so many years is I never saw you lose your, lose your temper. Mm-hmm. I never saw you be harsh with anybody or with a student. I've never seen you... Um, you know, I've seen you be frustrated, but but it comes across as so um, patient and so kind. And you, I feel like you always choose that route. But how do you do that in our career? Because it's very stressful at times. It is. Um, I try to just, you know, I just, I love working with my students. And I don't lose patience with them mm-hmm. because what I'm asking them to do is hard for them. It's mm-hmm. hard for them. So I don't ever assume that 
well, you should be able to do this by now. Mm-hmm. Um, because I'm, I, I try to always put myself in their shoes. Yeah. So I, I, I'm not really sure how. I guess that's just a quality, you know, that, that I've embraced over the years, something mm-hmm. that has evolved along with, you know, everything else. But um, I don't lose my patience with them. They're, they're just kids. And I guess probably because I'm not, my feet are not held to the fire as much where data is concerned, like, you know, I don't teach content. Right. I support their ability to learn the content right. in the classroom. That's the role of a speech therapist is mm-hmm. to help her students or his students be more successful mm-hmm. in the classroom. You know, right. that's the role of a public school SLP. So, you know, when I tell my students, you know, we have all the time in the world. And at with 30 years of experience, I have a lot of um, tricks in my bag, mm-hmm. in my therapy bag. Mm-hmm. So if one thing doesn't work, then we'll move to the right. next. If that doesn't work, then we'll move to the next. Mm-hmm. You know, we'll we'll do whatever we need to do to help you get this. You yeah. know, I just I don't I don't do well when my students don't make progress. So I'm going to do what it takes to help them make progress. Yeah. So, um, absolutely. I just I just really enjoy what I do. You I know, can see that. I just. I, I could really can't see myself. I kind of fell into the field of speech therapy, but it's been one of the greatest blessings of my life because I feel like this is what I was meant to do. Absolutely. 100%. But you said you fell into it. So I did. And I don't know that story. <laughs> um, but how did that happen? Um, I was originally an occupational therapy major. Okay. Um, that's what I, that's what I wanted to do. Applied to the program at the Medical College of Georgia, and at that point in time, it was one of only two programs in Georgia. I, I have no idea how many are out there now. I haven't kept up with that, but um, there I was waitlisted mm-hmm. because there were only forty seats. So in the meantime, I was working at the VA hospital in Dublin, my okay. hometown. And sort of went to visit the speech therapist who was on staff at the hospital Mm -hmm. and started to explore my other options and um, was accepted into the class at what was then Armstrong State College Mm -hmm. and loved it, Mm -hmm. just loved it and took off from there, got my master's at UGA um, and... There's just nothing else that I could see myself doing. Yeah. It's just been one of the greatest blessings of my life. Mm. That's so awesome. Well, thank you so much um, for just being transparent with us, for giving us tools that we can really apply in our everyday lives. You know, this isn't just for educators. This is for anybody in any organization or a parent or um, whomever is working with people because it's all about that relationship. It's all about that commitment to helping others see the best parts of who they are and to embrace that, um, helping others find their voice. Um, so the last question I have for you is how have you been or felt seen recently? Um, for this is my second year at a middle school in Statesboro and one of the things that I get to do is work with a self-contained class for students with autism, intellectual disabilities, um, and I have had the pleasure of working closely with the teachers and the paraprofessionals in that class. So I 
push in Mm -hmm. to the class one afternoon a week, and I teach a whole group lesson. We work on core words, Mm -hmm. and it has been, it's kind of evolving. Um, It's kind of taking on a life of its own, kind of like the breakfast bunch. Uh And we have been able to teach those skills um, collaboratively, and I'm really beginning to see the impact yeah. that that is having. And I'm so enjoying this process and how it's challenging me creatively, mm-hmm. how it's challenging them creatively, how we're able to implement this work, because there are several students in that room who use AAC devices mm-hmm. to communicate and just seeing it shape their ability to use those devices right. and you know, seeing them learn and enjoy communicating with one another um, has been um, extraordinary. So I feel like it's challenging me mm-hmm. and it's just um, it's just a part of my job that I'm really, really enjoying right now. And it's allowing me to be creative. It's allowing them to be creative. We're working mm-hmm. together. Um, we've even discussed plans to expand upon that after I retire mm-hmm. and offer some um, classes and things of that nature locally yeah. that currently aren't available. So I would say that has been a way that I have felt seen yeah. recently. That's phenomenal. And Kim is about to retire. I am. Um, And she has big plans. So I know that this is not the end game for you, that you will continue to just impact kids in Bullock County for years to come. Um, So I just thank you so much for what you do, for your heart, for your passion, for being willing to talk about it with me, um, but also just in the everyday work what you're doing um, is just so incredible. And I can see where those kids are thriving because of what you're putting in. And I know that as a parent, I appreciate that. And I'm sure that the other parents do as well. Um, So keep up the great work. Keep up the great fight um, of just helping our kids have a voice. Um, Thank you so much for being with us and uh, just stay tuned for the next episode. Um, We will continue to interview people who are making an impact um, in their particular field or um, in their everyday lives. So thanks for joining us on the ICU podcast.